What is this behavior? Do you want it? You're dying for it. Back with another episode of the What Is This Behaviour podcast. I'm Almas Badat, one third of the What Is This Behaviour trio, and we're made up of filmmaker Aaron Christian, edutainer Ruben Christian, and myself, a polymath, multidisciplinary artist. Our podcast is an insightful, relaxed, and often hilarious place to be, where the three of us chat to the global South Asian community as we all redefine ourselves. We chat to people across industries, from tech heads to alternative educators, models, chefs, DJs, PR experts, and in this episode, we speak to Sana Ahsan, a queer Muslim woman who is also a clinical psychologist and an award-winning poet. Aaron is away on a work trip, so over the next hour, Ruben, Sana and I hold it down and explore therapy through a deeply compassionate human lens. We link our ancestral lineage to our experiences today and reimagine our relationship to pain. I'm really just touching the surface of this episode though, as the three of us go in. We're pretty vulnerable and we share our stories and knowledge around well-being and emotional and mental health. So grab a cup of whatever you want to enjoy, pull up a seat or start your next adventure while listening to the What Is This Behaviour podcast featuring Sana Ahsan. I'm going to catch you on the other side. And we are officially live in the building with Sana. Yeah, we are. We are here. How are you doing, Sana? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, I'm really happy to be here with you guys. Um, Mm. Yeah, just like, just trying to move with with the pace of life at the moment. I, I think it's like supposed to be slower yet somehow still feels incredibly overwhelming a lot of the time I don't know if that resonates with anyone Mm. um but yeah still just trying to carve out space for stillness amidst all of that you know Mm. there was a term that I read um a few weeks ago I it might have been in the New York Times and it was is it languishing and this is like the term that's now being used for the the apathy that we feel like you know the tiredness post Mm. like the shock of the pandemic and then also dealing with or processing all of the information that's around us Mm. but kind of not feeling like not feeling like crazy chaotic not feeling like crazy down but just in the middle a bit like I don't know just a bit like what's going on (laughs) yeah yeah for sure I mean that definitely speaks to me I think um it it's like this slow kind of catching up effect I mean we're still grieving so much aren't we we haven't really had the space Mm. to do that processing and to really allow that grief to land in the body and and really feel it because there's just been so much movement I think Mm. um and so it kind of just resurfaces in in moments um and yeah I'm just allowing myself to feel it more I think I'm trying to give myself more space to feel it um Mm. But yeah, and right straight and, into grief. Yeah, listen, man, all big talk, no small talk over here yeah. on our podcast, man. Like we love it. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna go further into it. As a matter yeah. of fact, I, I was. So the question is that when you allow yourself to do that, I mean, we'll come mm. back to more of a general hello, but um, like when you do allow yourself to do that, mm. is it cyclical or is it? 
is it as and when you feel the need to do it just to give yourself that space to feel and let those things pass through mm. that's Ooh, a good question it is a really good question I've, i think i find it difficult i don't think it's uh, as in to answer just because i think it's a practice for me that i am building mm. in the sense that you know everything is a practice right you, we, we build muscles um in everything that we do more of so the practice of allowing myself to to feel and meet my grief or you know despair anguish whatever it is in the body is something that I'm trying to do more intentionally in I guess through practices of like of meditation I don't know if either of you guys meditate um but you know just just coming into my having more of a practice of coming into my body so that I can identify where my emotions sit in in my body and moving away from Mm -hmm. just this very intellectual space of understanding emotions you know Mm. and I think you know as marginalized people I think we're often taught we're invited to disconnect from our bodies you know I think systems of whiteness invite us to engage at a very intellectual level all the time at this very fast pace so for me it's a practice of coming back again and again into my body to see where things Mm. are sitting um but yeah I guess coming back to is it cyclical I, I mean I'm trying to build a practice by meditating daily um, but when it comes in ways, it just comes. Do you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. it just knocks you sometimes. And you, and often I think it's when you've, well, for me, when I've not been giving myself the space to feel it, I will be pulled to, you know, it, it will it will o- yeah. overwhelm me to a point where it's like, no, you, you have to feel, feel this now because you've been pus- putting it away for so long. Do you know what I mean? Um, whether that's like avoidance through, through working so much or, you know keeping myself so busy I don't have to feel my feelings um yeah mm. so it, it finds its way of of calling to be felt if that if that makes sense that's beautiful I think that that's like probably a mixture of you consciously um putting this into practice and then as you said like being led and being called to it as well I think that's so mm. nice mm. And I must say thank you so much for still committing like honoring the commitment of coming on the show when you're navigating this like yeah we really appreciate that no I I, no thank you for having me I think there's a lot in also like having these spaces to just show up with all of it you know what I mean Mm. like Mm. um because I think sometimes it feels like it's one or the other and I think the more that we can practice you know either you do you do the work (laughs) or you don't show up and you kind of um in our head sometimes I think oh no it's it's that you have to stay in bed or you can't see anyone and I think actually the more that we can create cultures of showing up in our messiness Mm. um the more we model it for each other and the more we can meet each other with compassion and and have have the more real conversations you know I love that I absolutely love that I and I, I, I hear you and same with Ruben like in terms of creating space we're so here and open for whoever it is you want to bring to the table today, like which son is here. Do you know what I mean? I think, yeah, really, yeah. really nice. <laughs> <laughs> and you must, uh, I suppose in, in some ways, because you have, um, you, you are a psychologist, right? I am. And you, and you explore different kinds of therapies. Is that right as well? Yeah. I mean, I think, in in terms of you mean what kind of therapies do I practice or um yeah I mean I what because I was just gonna ask what I was gonna lead on to is asking you about 
as a as a psychologist or someone that can facilitate space then do you often find that you actively are creating that space for people to show up how you know their full selves as well what's that on the other end yeah for sure I think I think these these processes are so interlinked do you know what I mean the more that Mm -hmm. we can do it ourselves the more we model and invite other people to as well Um, Mm. and I think there's there's sometimes a bit of an unhelpful kind of narratives around psychologists um well maybe it's not even that I think it's this idea of this kind of neutral blank slate figure in the therapy room you know right because because sometimes it does serve people right that we we, we don't know too much about our therapists it means that our full selves can be held and you know the boundaries are definitely in service in in certain spaces but I think when you pull the lens back it's really important to remember that we're all human just trying to do this work um and psychologists aren't like also they also have trauma they're also messy and you know it's Mm. just um yeah so I think I think me so I'm going in a bit of a roundabout way trying to say that (laughs) being able to being able to to be with my own messiness um with more softness with more gentleness um with more courage and authenticity allows me to do that in space in therapeutic space so whether that isn't in the therapy room um or whether that's just in life do you know what I mean and I think mm. um sometimes there's that there's distinctions of what is therapy you know is it just is it just in therapy in the therapy room where you're um very consciously talking about trauma or or is everything therapy you know possibly therapy mm. you know is is the work that you're doing with your therapist for example like relationally actually most meaningful when you're translating it into your intimate relationships Mm. you know what I mean um so yeah I'm interested in sort of like being flexible about our understandings of what what therapy is what is therapeutic in life you know I don't know because I I know you guys have spoken before about your experiences of therapy haven't you Mm. Um, yeah oh there's so many things but my brain's just popping off man yeah I I yeah I think like you know what was interesting I had my I had a session this Tuesday with my therapist his name's Kevin Mm. um and he's 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 been great or our relationship's really flourished you know Mm. and there was a moment that I sensed in the start of our session which was unfortunately by zoom for obvious reasons at the moment Mm. that I just sensed something in him that was not normal as in he, as in you can see it in his eyes, he's an extreme empath and you can see it in his eyes and his mm. facial expression that he's currently going through something. Mm. And, but I had this conflict in my mind where I was like, do I check in with him? Because that's naturally what I would do as a human being anyway. Mm. Or do I just carry on as per normal? Because back in the day when I have checked in with him, he's been really nice about it, but he's brought it back around to me, right? He's doing his job. Mm. But to me, that kind of seemed off. Like I couldn't like allow him to hold the space for me if I felt he was off. So I did. So I checked in with him and Mm. he actually opened up a little bit about some stuff, but then he reined it back in. But I just think that he needed that moment or I felt Mm. that I needed to name that moment that we both knew was happening Mm -hmm. before we can carry on the conversation. It was an interesting um, experience that I'll probably want to unpack with him again in the future because I do feel sometimes therapy is one way. And when I've sat down and had what is similar to therapy-like conversations with 
my my good friends mm. it's felt more redemptive and consoling and just better when it was equally shared it wasn't that person just constantly holding space for me so mm. i don't know maybe my brain's starting to move towards i wonder if therapy can be done both ways <laughs> that's it, do you know, I, mean, I don't know that's yeah, yeah, probably yeah. where you're going as well i, don't I know. mean no it's really interesting that i mean to be honest that isn't where where i was going but i think it's a really interesting conversation and i think it's one that um a lot of people have quite strong views on it especially in the psychoanalytic and psycho psycho like psychological world clinical psychology world i think mm. um most therapists will probably say to you from a from a rigid point of view that like boundaries are really essential in that space and to keep that yeah. space mm-hmm. to be in service of what it is which is for your healing for example right you know okay. because because it, the thing is is when and I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I'm still really in this in, in this place of inquiry around this, which is the minute that someone shares, um, there's an opening, isn't there? There's an invitation for the conversation to go in a completely di- different direction, right? And yeah. you're, you're then invited to move away from what is yours as the client in that space, for example, towards maybe holding space for the therapist, do you know what I mean? And I'm, and I think yeah. sometimes that then risks moving away from what you're there for, which is there for you. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. But, I don't, but I don't think that it's that the, the contradictions can't still be held. Like you can still be there while your therapist mm. is struggling, you know, mm. that the space is still there for you. That can still be acknowledged and that can still be centered and focused as in that this space is there for you. Do you know what I mean? Does that mm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, Sometimes for me, like just working on understanding my process and how I operate in the world better as I get older, I've realized that if the person I'm in conversation with, whether or not they're holding space for me or it's the other way around, if I experience their vulnerability, I actually feel safer in Mm. expressing my own. And Mm. that's one teeny block that I felt in therapy sometimes it's like I I know Kevin holds the space I know he's trained I know he's compassionate but Mm. if he was to say you know what me too I had a shit time or I've been through that automatically the roots between us are just deepened Mm. I've always felt that yeah man I always um whenever I uh similar to you Rubes whenever I'm in therapy and I'm I have the urge or I'll sit down I'll say like hey Jasmine how are you and then she just smiles (laughs) (laughs) yeah or she'll be or like you know just in natural conversation i'll say i'll say what are you up to this weekend and she's like oh master i'm like i know okay I'll just, I'll sorry, I'll let me, <laughs> retreat retreat <laughs> but but i will say that i i'm thankful for the boundary yeah. because i am an empath and because i'm yeah. curious so mm-hmm. i know that if she started to open up naturally i'd be like I'd, I'd say pull up a chair do you know what I mean <laughs> but actually like having the boundary and then me understanding that that those 50 minutes are there for me yes has allowed me to be in servitude for myself differently for sure yeah I yeah no sorry no, please please go no 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 I was just gonna say I think it, it's so important and especially you know for for people that have found it really difficult to actually honor that kind of space and time for themselves Mm. it's so important that that is held and that is you know that that is honored by 
keeping that space just for you. But I, I do think just what Ruben was saying in terms of how difficult it is, isn't it? Because because vulnerability does does promote connection, doesn't it? Like the yeah. more vulnerable, mm-hmm. the more authentic mm-hmm. we are with each other. Yeah. There is more connection there. But I think at the end mm. of the day, you're not trying to make your therapist your best mate, nor vice versa. Mm. You know, it's mm. a very specifically carved out space, which is for for your healing which is which is quite different so I do yeah. think I do think those boundaries are essential but that doesn't mean that we still can't we can have boundaries but also hold space for the complexities of the person that are in front of us yeah do you know what I That's mean beautiful. but I yeah. think it's, it's you know it's tough though because I mean for me it's for example like I do the therapeutic work but then I'm also quite open about who I am in a way that a lot of therapists aren't you know they keep quite mm. a low profile and really yeah. kind of maintain this blank slate uh kind of why is that persona well I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of um I think it's quite rooted in in psychoanalytic theory this idea of being a blank slate in the therapy room means that there can be more more space for the person in front of you you know um, right you know the less that's known about you and and the, the most boundaried you can be means more will slowly um unveil and unfold of the person that's in front of you in that space does that make sense mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. i'm not sure personally that i actually agree with that um because it's quite a dehumanizing an ap- approach and yeah. and actually i think there's so much in being with the messiness of of what is hu- being human and the more that we can do that together um yeah. and use a therapeutic space to do that as well that's in a boundaried way um mm. is actually liberating for us all you know, I, I, I couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. And I'm that's why I'm glad to have you on the show. You know, it's like, so, so, like there's people that's come on this show that are pioneering mm. and re-evolving culture. Is that a thing? Re-evolving or evolving, right? Mm-hmm. Culture, yeah. like without trying to be overtly intentional about it. It's mm-hmm. just feeling that there needs to be other options, living that out through practice and therefore changing the options for the wider community. Mm. And I love that. I mm. really, really love that. So so hats off. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, man. Yeah, I think I think it's a really it's a to echo Rubes, like it's so nice to meet people like yourselves that are um taking practices to the next level. And you say this, I think, on your website, the the line that I really love is decolonizing our understandings of mental health Mm. and embracing each other's madness. Yeah. Tell us about that line. I am mad as a hatter. (laughs) Oh, listen, how long you got? You know... um... Yeah, let's run it, man. (laughs) We have uh, 30 minutes on the clock. (laughs) I mean, okay, so, so... the way that we talk about mental health at the moment, um, I think is is a very colonized understanding of it. The language that we use mm. is a medical one. Okay, so we we talk about mental illness, we have disorders and diagnoses that we use to describe the ways that we suffer in terms of sickness, right? So if you are experiencing, for example, you know, you, you're not sleeping, you're feeling incredibly lonely, like the ways that your pain is showing up, we have a model that actually means that you go straight to your GP and they tell you that there's something wrong with you, you know, that there's whatever disorder that that is, and that places then you're suffering within your individual mind, 
Okay. Are you guys still with me? Because I feel like, yep, yes. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so it's a very individualistic model, right? It, it actually obscures what's happening to us, right? Systemic trauma, mm-hmm. Islamophobia, homophobia, and makes it about us. And then what comes then through that is the treatments, quote unquote treatments, right? Mm-hmm. Are ones that also place the problem within us. You know, there's something wrong with your biochemistry that a mm. pill is going to fix or Jeez. this individual therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, for example, is placing the problem within your thinking patterns, the ways that you cope individually. And it actually turns us away from what is going on to, in which we're really understandably responding to in, in, with pain, with misery, however that shows up, you know? Mm. Um, so, so I think, where I come to in terms of decolonizing our understandings around this, it problematizes our suffering, it pathologizes our suffering. And actually, I'm more interested in hearing from you, okay, so your pain is showing up in hearing voices, your pain is showing up that sometimes you actually want to harm yourself, your pain is showing up that you don't you don't want to eat or you're eating everything and you're making yourself sick. However, it is showing up, like I can be with that. We can be with that together collectively without having to send you away or or make you feel that you're mm. sick, you know, or that this is something wrong with you. And I think it's a it's a really, you know, it's a challenging conversation to have because I think a lot of us, including me, you know, have really um found this model of mental health, which is a very medical one. Um an easy to access tool to survive, right? When you're mm-hmm. really, when you're really, really struggling, and someone's offering um, medication or short-term individual therapy, you, you you're going to jump at whatever the tools are there. You're going to use whatever resources are available. And actually, what I'm speaking to requires envisioning something quite different, which means us turning towards each other more in our madness, in our messiness. And it's not easy because it's not been modelled. And you know, I was talking earlier about practices. We're not practices. At, we're not practice. Sorry, at being with madness. We're not practiced at being with our own. You know, I mean, I can speak for myself. I don't know if this resonates with you guys, but when I am feeling mash up, you know, and and that shows up in all kinds of ways for me, I want to move away from it. I'm like, why am I like this? I need to get on with this huge to do list. Like this, this yeah. can happen, you know, this needs to happen. Solutionize like straight away. You know, exactly. You know, we want to fix it. We have a culture that's yeah. incredibly obsessed with wellness, with like quick fixes. Ironically as well, right? Yeah. It's like, we need to be well. We need to be well. We need to be, you know, pain is seen as a form of dysfunction. And that's actually, that's actually. That bell, is such a pro- that's bell, such a problem. Yeah. Uh, bell, that's a Bell Hooks quote that is actually. I just need to make sure I quote her before I try. And... Pain <laughs> is seen. Um, as a form of dysfunction no pain pain itself is not an indicator of dysfunction is the quote pain itself is not an indicator of dysfunction yes okay it's just a reflection of humanity exactly exactly yeah and and it seems like what i'm hearing from what you just said if if i was to attempt to distill it just for my own simple brain to kind of understand Mm. it's like we move towards quick fixes in order to manage something in the present as Mm. opposed to sit in what we need to in order for our collective transformation over a long period of time 
Mm, yeah. 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 Th- that's what I'm hearing. And, and it's like just tying that in with a note that I've taken mm. actually on your, um, on your email sign off, yeah. which is you've got liberation and community psychologist and yeah. poet liberation and community psychologist what does that mean because I think I know but it'd be <laughs> nice to actually hear from you yeah sure so my my work is very much committed to moving away from some of the things that I've spoken about which is understanding things at a very individual level right so when yeah. we think about things like liberation and community we're thinking about understanding distress at a collective level understanding liberation at a collective level so then when we're when when we're thinking about the work the the intervention also has to be at that level right and I think that it can be quite a challenging thing to do because it's quite overwhelming you know that's not to say that individual work isn't important because it really really is but it's it's again so say for example when you're in the therapy room and someone's talking about their distress can you can you do that sort of compassionate guidance to bring it back to how does this link to what is happening systemically, what is happening around you? You know, that is, that are maybe experiences of oppression rather than locating it within the individual's mind. Does that make sense? Hmm. Do you think that it's, um, do you think then that that approach gives balance to to looking at both sides rather than leaning one towards the other, or are you trying to guide someone towards their their external experiences? Say say that again. Do you mean as in so is the is the aim with that this approach to think mm-hmm. about the external factors and let's and let's say like any, anything systemic mm-hmm. is it to provide balance with whatever processes are happening internally with mm-hmm. the external as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's it's understanding that our narratives about who we are, about how we see the world, whether we experience it as safe, whether we experience it as threatening, you know, is actually so deeply tied up with not only our experiences of oppression, which we might be conscious of, we might not be, but also mm. intergenerationally, ancestrally, mm. you know, mm. through through our own ancestral lines that we may not even be aware of how that's carried through. Mm. Um, and I think this yeah. is it. It's, it's trying to really understand that who we are is tied up so much with by not only what we go through, but how oppression has has impacted mm. our ancestral, you know, lineage as well. Yeah, this is so fascinating. Um, and I love hearing you articulate, uh, articulate this, this very point because especially in the past year, because we've been stagnant, right? We've been static in one space. Mm -hmm. I know that I've been, um, you know, just hearing and seeing and feeling all of the things around us that are affecting not just my direct community, so not just my Muslim South Asian community, but Mm -hmm. my friends that are from the black community, for example, or... um, and and also from the Jewish community, like in so you know, so many different um, uh, people are being affected all the time. Mm. And now, I, when I'm like really taking care of like feeling how I'm feeling, like trying to figure out like well, what what is that effect? I kind of feel like a wave of exhaustion. 
yeah um straight away as the response and when you think about when you're saying sorry that um we we when that we can consider inter intergenerational trauma mm. and i'm thinking wow like what the things that are happening right now in the present mm. what things or what pieces of information are is being triggered off that's in my ancestral lineage mm. yeah and i think this is it it's not it's so hard i think especially because of how we've been brought up everything and i think you know Ruben, you mentioned in this earlier, it's a very kind of solution focused, everything mm. needs to be quite rational and we need to be able to draw the links quite clearly in between, you know, in our story making. Do you know what I mean? Like this links to that and that's why this is happening. Um, and, you know, I think that even links to the whole medical model that we have. But anyway, that's a side note. You know, <laughs> so, when it, so when it comes to, to trying to understand um, those links Bless between... You. Yeah, bless you. But between between this um, ancestral, our ancestral trauma and our own trauma, it's really hard for us to to do that rational linking because we haven't got access to so much of it. And I think right. part of it is being able to to be with the the unknowing and that that also being okay. You know that there mm. is there may be trauma Not in my body. Information. Say that again. Sorry. Uh, I was just saying, yeah, not having the information, not having the answers. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, just, ah. yeah. That is, oh man, that resonates so much. And it's really, it's really hard to do. And I can't mm. help but to think, and I've said this in previous episodes, man, that whole solutionizing mm. kind of mindset i can't help but to think it's a legacy of patriarchal thinking like mm. all the, the majority of the systems that we inhabit today unfortunately that we're trying to fucking sort out is because of patriarchal thinking a lot of it so mm. it's like we're stepping into a space well these well not when i say we like i hope it's the world at large but it's mm. currently obviously like niche communities that are at the fringe of this kind of I don't know if you want to call it awakening or reform mm. or whatever, but it's these conversations, right? And I'm feeling people are moving towards spaces and ways of being that has a very, maybe this is the wrong way to explain it because I still need to understand what I'm trying to language here, but um, a feminine, or oh, is that too gender binary? I don't know, like a feminine divine energy leading the way. Like just to create some equilibrium in the world. I, I think I know what I'm getting at. I don't know if you guys have been able to decide for what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting you say that because a, a few days ago I was having a conversation about the word feminism and, and feminine. Mm. And mm. I think what where I'm landing, in and correct me if I'm wrong, Rubes, with with what you're trying to explain here, is there's qualities within the these umbrella terms that we want to move towards and yeah. i find it the most useful rather than saying we want to move towards like insert umbrella term here space mm -hmm. i'm like what are the actual behaviors that we want to see and sana yeah. you picked up on this earlier when you were saying compassion yeah and working together and community-based and liberation and these words i think can definitely sit within let's say divine feminine energy mm. although it does it it sometimes if we use the umbrella term the actual meaning of what you're trying to create can get lost yeah mm. yeah 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's good. So you yeah. do kind of get me. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, think I mean, I'm a, getting there, man. No, no, I was going to say, I just think it's a, thank you for sharing that, Amos, because I think it, it makes me think about the limits of language and how, yeah. you know, yeah. we're always like desperately seeking to capture things with words that fall short, you know, mm. and and it, it, it brings me back to, well, I know that we, we mentioned I don't know if this is part of what we recorded, but we're thinking about talking about Bell Hooks today. And she talks yeah, yeah. about love as an action. And, mm. you know, Amas, you're talking about what are the specifics that you mean in action when mm-hmm. we're thinking about divine feminine energy, you know, <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm, it is, mm-hmm. or, or love. And I think it it's really helpful when we're thinking about what how we can use language to liberate or or in a loving way to think about mm. specifics you know, and yeah. an action within it. Um, and even to relate better, like mm-hmm. use language to relate better because the clearer we can language our experience and truths, the I think the deeper we can connect with people, you know. Mm. And, and talking of language as well, like I tell you he's a massive fan of language and we, we all know him. It's Anthony Anaxagoro. Oh, he's, yeah. he's a close friend of mine, the poet. Yeah, and I know you. You you won one of the um, outspoken press. Yeah. Was it? And that, what was it exactly? Yes, yeah, the out, outspoken press. So, so Anthony Anthony is the founder of Outspoken Press. Um, yeah. And there, there's there's prizes every year. So I won the poetry performance prize. Um, oh, wow! Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, yeah, but Anthony's sick. I rate Anthony, and um, yeah. I, I, uh, are we thinking about, are we, are we doing the segue from language to poetry, are we? <laughs> yeah, so that, that was, that, that was kind is. of where I, yeah, that was where I was going. I was like, okay, language. And then I, then like, when we were doing our research, it was like, you use writing to speak to yourself. Mm. And that obviously I'm like, poetry is surely a byproduct of that approach, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I never know whether it's, the poetry, I wouldn't, I don't know if I say that poetry is a byproduct of it. Poetry has been there for me um, before I knew it was poetry, if that makes sense. Right. <laughs> you know, bars, I... but, but, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's the title of a collection right there, man. <laughs> poetry has been there for me before I knew it was poetry. That is the title. Now, so... I'm writing, I'm writing my first collection at the moment, which is. Yeah, really yeah. I, 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 yeah, yeah. So I am. Um, yeah, I, I. I don't know if you guys are in in the poetry. Rubes, you said you you know Anthony, don't you? So I don't know. If I mean, yeah, well. I'm mad close with him. We just went yeah. to Camber Sands in a cold drive up there, and he he just I've just always listened to him about like talking about his world. So yeah. I've I mean I've been hosting a lot of gigs. Like funnily enough, I was actually the host of Anthony's first ever live poetry performance back oh, in the day wow. okay. in, in Shoreditch but yeah so I've seen loads of poets come through my stage but I and I've gone to some workshops and I've had a crack at it but I wouldn't say I'm really in the poetry world I'm on the outside kind of like I've got a half an ear in it yeah just listening to Wasquanen really yeah yeah it's an interesting world it's definitely an interesting world and I think like I didn't know it really existed to be honest um mm. like my entry into it like my when I was saying about poetry being a big part of my life but not really knowing you know that that's what it was um especially page poetry because I came in through through hip-hop and rap big time you know I think Sick. like you know for me like 
I grew up my Salah actually kid. has bars. You were just <laughs> no, 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 she's, she's, bars. she's just a bar machine. <laughs> Barry. She's out. Yeah, bars. I wish I wish I had the courage to actually like drop bars and like do a little EP. I, I think maybe what, what? I feel I think like I will. You're speaking to the you? right people, you know. In it, me and Almas, we just action it all. <laughs> Between the three of us, Sada's dropping her EP. We know this. We oh, know this. 2022. This... Oh, my God. There can actually be a What Is This Behaviour podcast EP. <laughs> all the talent just have, like, a thing. That's dope. It's probably going to happen. Oh, wow. Okay, Sada, I know you're about to explore a point, but I just want to say to you that if you want to create an EP, create the EP. Like, yeah. just do it. Yeah. And even if it's for yourself, like, just lay down those vocals lay down those bars do the writing process you don't have to release it but have the ep ready because there's going to be a day when you're like i'm putting it out the merch is going out let's go and you just do one one bat signal and ruben and i will be there we're already (laughs) (laughs) don't even have to we're holding you we're holding you to this (laughs) i don't think you know us you know we're out here (laughs) oh funny (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know what it's it's one of those things isn't it like i um i listen to a lot of like america like 90s hip-hop so like mm-hmm. eminem tupac biggie were like mm. the, the main albums for me like growing up and um a method man and, and a bit of wu-tang and stuff like that Please. so i feel like mm. you know when i was rapping i would do this sort of low-key embarrassing a bit of an american accent do you know what i mean because yeah. i was trying to sound <laughs> trying That's to sound like lauren hill yeah. <laughs> and if you weren't doing it there's something wrong <laughs> that's funny do you know what i mean though so now it's like if i'm trying to rap like i've got i've got to get my own voice do you know what i mean that's not <laughs> that's yeah. not me trying to imitate um 90s rappers but yeah anyway so i um yeah my first poetry book i was trying to say my first poetry book that i ever actually picked up was was the rose that grew from concrete i don't know if, if any of you guys i've know heard it. of this so i it's haven't t- read it yeah, it's Tupac's poetry book. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd very, very much recommend it. Um, yeah, so that was that was kind of my first even intro mm. into page poetry. And so rap was definitely like my introduction into it. And then I just, I stumbled into the spoken word team by like seeing a, a BBC Words first. I don't know if you've heard of that. This is like, yeah. this is their yeah, like, yeah. thing. Yeah, just come up on Facebook. This is a while ago and I think it's like five years ago um so I just like did a, a video a selfie of me of me just like trying to do a poem and um and then I just, just realized there was a whole spoken word scene and people were doing this like as careers and it's crazy you know I was I was very like naive about it and have have slowly um grown to really love the craft of page poetry and what that what that allows um and especially I think over the last year like I was blessed alhamdulillah enough to get to get um arts council council funding um oh, so wow. I've been, yeah so I've been working with um Mary Jean Chan and Rachel Long uh, I don't know if you know them but they I rate them they're like two incredible poets and yeah it's been really helping me develop my first collection and it you know it's a really wow. exciting time for me and I can't wait to to get to a place where I can Put, put them out there you know um that's brilliant it must feel 
well, how does it feel to be able to work through your words, put them mm-hmm. together and then like, well, you're in the process of it now, right? Like how, what's that process like to get it out and put it together? Yeah, it's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because it's so life-giving um, and mm. Yeah, I just I love cre- just creating is just such a beautiful thing. Um, I find it mm. quite a spiritual practice, where I you know just I don't know if anyone's read the artist's way. Have you guys? Oh read? my gosh, Ruth, you've read go. that. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting go. into it. <laughs> can I can I just say yeah? Like <laughs> lockdown one, I done a really like deep dive book club with my friend Jessica Spencer Keys on the artist's way where we would read a chapter a week sit with it alone and then unpack it deeply each end of each week and then do the tasks so we went through it like so deeply and out the back of it and we haven't even finished it we're like three quarters of the way three quarters of the way through yeah but then life just unfolds right and shit happens um but from that I've created like the basis for an EP slash album. Al- Almas has heard some stuff, but it's yeah, just so been amazing. so, yeah, music stuff. It's just been amazing. Ruben is my new favourite artist and I will co-sign that with my friend Jerome, who also said the <laughs> You lot of gas. <laughs> but yeah, I love the book. It's so powerful. And I think anyone that is exploring their creativity, their creative capacities, any sort of way, need to read it, man. Yeah. Oh, wow. Rubes, that sounds like such a beautiful way to read that book. I need to, oh, I think yeah. it, yeah. it was like, yeah, go on, it felt like we were honoring we were honoring julia's work mm. not just skim reading you know also because my brain can be busy i like i need to put the blinkers on and i need to sit with this like have any of you not seen this is, gives away my age but um short circuit no i have not johnny five johnny five you don't know short circuit <laughs> no. oh shit i'm so old all right it's the dead reference let's keep it moving but go on, <laughs> <laughs> Someone listening will know what you're talking about in it, so it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. They're looking at this yeah. and suddenly I go, You it. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Some old uncle in the background. I know. That's <laughs> it, boy. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Uh yeah, I mean I, I know I was just I kind of I can't remember now. I was just talking about artist's way. Um yeah. Yeah, it's do just you know a... what I do want to. Oh, sorry, no, go, no, on. go on. I was, I do, I, I do have a question in, in maybe in the same vein. I don't know if it will spark anything off for you, but yeah, something else that I really loved in the way that you self describe is calling yourself an all round disruptor. Mm. And is is what is the disruptor mindset, and is this linked to your art? Oof. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> just loading up I think it's interesting isn't it the language of disruption I think I, I don't consciously link it to my art I don't it's not it's not like a intentional thing that I go and think right I'm gonna write a poem that's gonna disrupt today do you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah. um but I think when we're thinking of the language of disruption um, I often think about it in context of how can we disrupt systems of harm and how when we think of systems of harm, I think it's like takes so many different forms. Right. Um, so my my disruption as a psychologist is is more specifically around disrupting systems of whiteness within the therapeutic world. And I do that, you know, through research mm. and the way that I practice. Um, but I think also in terms of in terms of the poetry i think it's it's also a part of disruption is 
being able to be more and more authentically who I who I am and I know that sounds like a right. a bit of a um what, what am I trying to say with that I think that we live in systems of oppression that are constantly trying to make us something other than who we who we are especially as marginalized 100. Folk. you know yeah. like that you're not good enough is this is this repetitive narrative that comes through and it's so and I spent a lot of my life trying to compromise and negotiate and fit into spaces and be someone else um basically seeking love hoping that I'll be met with yeah. love and to feel a sense of belonging and actually part of I guess what is disruption for me in the work of poetry but also in my life is being able to be with the unbelonging being able to be with the like the ways that I love that have been told that I've been told that this isn't okay you know and actually put words to it and put it to the page mm-hmm. with all of its contradiction um and let that be there in all of its discomfort you know I mean there's there's a poem that I wrote quite recently actually which is there is no no belief without unbelief and I think like even even the act of writing that piece was so liberating for me because it's it's a contradiction that I've just been told is is so not okay (laughs) how can you be Muslim if there's unbelief there at times um and I think um yeah so so I, I I'm trying to yeah, I guess I guess disruption takes so many different forms for me. Um, but but part of it is also, especially through art, is is being able to be more and more myself, um, and really honor who I am through my work. You know, what does yeah. it mean for you guys? Disruption. Go on, Rubes. <sighs> Do you know what? <clears throat> I don't think I have much to add to yeah. your your breakdown there. You know, <laughs> um, I. Yeah, it's the same things. It's authenticity. Mm. It um, over compliance. It's it's accepting um, complexity and messiness mm. over um, correction. Or, or what you know it's like yeah it's it's all those things man and mm-hmm. it's really i would love i would love for example education systems or ways of nurturing younger minds malleable minds in the come up to be more focused on self-awareness and self-acceptance mm. do you know what i mean like there's so many other things but these are just some things that come to mind and i think the projects I do, including this pod, the people I really connect with and like to spend time moving with are all working towards an array of similar goals, man. Mm. Um, it's just getting rid of some really bullshit things that don't serve us and that just serves the few that put those systems in place. Mm. Yeah, and I'm constantly identifying more and more each bloody day, which is a fucking ball <laughs> ache, innit? But this is this is part and parcel of doing this intentional, intentional work, man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say um, disruption, disruption is an interesting word or disrupt is an interesting word for me because mm. in e- echoing both what you, what you guys have said, disruption is disruption for one person, but it's flow for another. Mm. And so if you're disrupting an environment by just being in your own rhythm where, you know, the caveats here are that you're not harming yourself or anyone else. But if you're just doing your thing and that is disruptive or it's radical, 
how how crazy is the environment for your natural rhythm to be disruptive or radical um because in the past couple of weeks i i was thinking why is it so radical for me to think about peace in palestine that was one of the mm. biggest things that i was like that's, why that's, that's a sad thought isn't it mm. well is is how i feel actually a lot about mm. a lot of things like when i think about all the different communities i think about the world that we're in and i'm like why is this why is the thinking the thinking and the feeling of this thing so hard or so disruptive or so mm. radical um, and that points to to a lot of what you were saying earlier in this episode, Sana, where you're saying actually, well, what's the environment saying? Yeah, yeah. Mm. What's, what's the, the conditioning? Yeah, what? Yeah, and what is the condition like right mm. now? Like, what mm. is the condition that we are trying to trying really hard to thrive in and are surviving? Mm. Yeah, it's sure. mad, isn't it? Once you start like leading with these questions in life, and the unraveling begins. It honestly doesn't stop. Like I've had, like we we get better and we get clear mm. on our sense of self and our impact. Hopefully, if we stay on mm. path, is is greater over a period of time. But I don't think the unraveling and the questioning mm. questioning stops. Mm. Um, and that's both hopeful and <laughs> depressing at the yeah. same time. Man. Yeah. yeah. A question I've got nice. for the both of you is: as we're talking on, on this kind of subject, is how do we? How do we start to take more care of ourselves as people of colour while we're feeling the impacts of those external and internal things? Mm. Yeah, this is, I guess this is it, isn't it? How do we take care of ourselves when we're doing this work of disruption? And I think when you were talking as well, Almas, about the environment being a madness-inducing one, basically, you know, Mm. you know, when we're, you know, how is it that peace in Palestine is is seen as a disruptive, uh, almost a difficult to be with disruptive thought because it just seems like such an impossibility, you know? Right. Um, but in, in these situations, how can we envision a more loving and liberated world whilst taking care of ourselves and not be exhausted? It's such a difficult thing to do. And I think um, it's something that feels like a really live question for me right now because there's so many people that are just so heartbroken with the state of the world you know um and and also i think it's important to put it in context of a lot of our knowledge and proximity to the pain of the world right now is coming through screens um which is often social media i don't want to make too many you know generalized statements but i do feel like a lot of people are getting most of their knowledge from like twitter and instagram (laughs) and you know and TikTok. But you know what? Like, what are the other? What are the other resources? Like, in terms of trust with the world, mm. like, how you know? Do do is is BBC trust. or CNN or Sky or any of the other news outlets? Are they more reliable? No. Like where, and that's, you no. know, like, what's the environment yeah. saying? It goes yeah, back to yeah, your yeah. Sana. You've clocked it for me, man. I'm like, what's the environment saying? What's the conditioning around us? Yeah. yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. It's a really valid and important point. But this is it. I think it's that our sources of mm. of information and our sources that are bringing us closer to to the pain and oppression in the world are also questionable. In, a, in so many different ways. I'm not saying that there aren't 
you know, I think there's a lot in social media that gives us stories that we need to hear from voices mm. that we aren't hearing on, on, you know, BBC and CNN. That's Mainstream true. platforms, yeah. But I think at the same time, I think what can happen and what, what we do risk doing is engaging with things at quite a surface level yeah. where we're preoccupied with how we look to be engaging with things um, mm. rather than necessarily allowing it to land in our hearts and be aware of how it's making us feel in our bodies. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, yeah. and I think, you know, I, and I'm not saying this from a place of... of um, righteousness or judgment I'm so do it all the time and I have to be really really conscious of taking time away from social media because I think and that's one of the things that's been in service for me you know I think is Mm -hmm. coming away from those spaces and being more discerning how resourced I am to engage Mm -hmm. do you see what I mean so it's like can I can I come back to this at a place where I know I have slept eaten spent time with my chosen family cared for them and received care before i engage in this in a way that i know i can show up fully does that make mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. um but i think it's a really really difficult thing you know and i don't think that's it's also discerning like what is the most meaningful way to engage um in the work of liberation is it is it just social media what else what are the other spaces that we can do something mm-hmm. um that is transformative and liberating do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel the question's very live for me as well right now and continues to be as, mm. I, as I do the work, you know. Mm. I mean, some and, and sometimes I'm like, can I hack old school productivity capitalistic kind of strategies and implement some of those frameworks to benefit me on this journey? For example, like, I mean, I haven't read Pleasure Activism by mm. Adrian Marie Brown, but ha- have you, Senna? I've dipped it. I haven't read the whole thing. Okay. okay. I mean, from what I've got from the top line conversations I've had around that, like, mm. like really, what's the word? Prioritizing our joy yes. and our connected time together mm. is definitely a step, if not an early step. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah. like unapologetic locked off time to go and play or just jam with the people i love and care about mm. um literally key word there 100 yeah, and literally true. locking in time on the diary as if it's a business meeting for yeah. acts of self-love whether yeah, that's just rolling that. to the beach roller skating or whatever because <laughs> the work we're doing and the people we are it's forever gonna be heavy yeah. Um, and if we don't intentionally use some of our like productivity strategies to center ourselves and some peace and maybe even some damn joy, then we are mm-hmm. going to keep maxing out, man. Yeah. And, and obviously on top of that, it's the, it's the community aspect. Like yes. I could do all of that stuff, but if I'm doing it on my ones, ultimately my life isn't going to be as fulfilling or as wholesome as if I was to do that with people, man. And that's the stage I'm at now. And I, I don't think I could have ever got there unless I had all the breakdowns, you know what I mean, and the deep mm. reflections. But they're just some food for thought in regard to balancing yeah. out the thing, man. Yeah, for sure. And I, th- I think as well in that the practice of joy is such an important one that also discerning, like, what does joy feel like? Because often I think oh, a lot of us don't really know, you know, it's quite hard to... I remember just going back to this is Adrienne's work as well, where she talks about like 
what does the state of contentment even feel like for you? Do you know what your what your body feels like? Do you know uh-huh. what it looks like, how you're communicating in terms of with others, like what you're doing for yourself when you're just in a place of contentment? And I think this is it, like part of the work of taking care of ourselves is actually just getting really intimate with the different emotions that we feel and how they show up, not just in an embodied sense, but so that you can know, like when I am feeling joy, I'm usually wearing, you know, my fresh Fuji t-shirt and like bright colors. And, you know, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've done my hair and I'm looking at, and I can discern <laughs> and I know, like, do you see what I mean? And, and I can see yeah, myself. But... And then like, you know, I can discern that maybe when I'm feeling a lot of like pain or heaviness like I do sometimes just stay in my trackies for days do you know what I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, you know that that isn't it's just these little signs that we get to know and, and discern I don't know what, yeah. if, that, if that resonates for you guys or if you feel like you do have a, a language for for your emotional world and how that shows up you know something that Ruben um uh, encouraged me to do quite a while ago and that I have been doing now is um, practicing gratitude every single morning um, mm. that has really helped me just gain some perspective and be in a um, just be in a positive mindset I suppose I, I don't know if positive is the right word because actually I don't think it is the right word but being in um Put it this way, last week I was feeling, it was like one of those days where, you know, you just feel like everything's going wrong, right? And Mm -hmm. I sat down at about like 5 p.m. I was in a restaurant by myself and I asked the waitress for some paper and a pen. And I had two, so two pieces of paper. And on one side, I started to list out like all of the things that were really stressing me out that day. And then on the other one, I started to write out everything that I was thankful for. Mm -hmm. And the one, the one, the gratitude list ended up like being like double-sided don't have enough space even went back onto the 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 stress page then I was like and then I physically I was like I'm gonna draw a line like under that list like the bad list because and and in my mind I'm also gonna draw a line because now I'm looking at those two things in perspective like how many things have I missed in the past hour and a half that I haven't Mm. I was too caught up and looking the other way that I didn't see the things that were happening that were good and so Mm. it's really hard like sometimes it feels near impossible to say do you know what I have things to be thankful for right now Mm. but in the moment it has helped me from slipping like Mm. slipping under and just feeling like oh everything's just quite just you know despairing and um which is, I think, easy to do in the current climate. Yeah. Um, I, and that, again, this is non-judgmental. This is also me, like, ha- like hanging on to myself and staying yeah. close to myself, especially close to baby mass, like my inner child, to be oh. like, I'm going to stay, like, close with you right now because you are not okay. Mm. So we're going to... Ruben, you saying you're looking in time to, like, do fun stuff, that's what I want to hear, man. Because <laughs> the other day, like I just linked up with one of my friends and we just painted. Oh. And I was like, oh, this so feels amazing. How long has it been since I've locked off time mm. to relax, to enjoy, to be stimulated, to be expressive, to be nonverbal? Mm. All of the adult stuff. I don't care about that stuff like when I'm trying to heal, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I think I think um 
it, that's something as well in the artist's way that she talks mm. about that that protected time for to be with your your creative inner child and just letting her play you know and I think yeah. with that playfulness comes thank you for sharing that as well Marcia. It's, a, it's a really beautiful practice I think that of of gratitude and I think sometimes You're welcome. yeah when you when you put pen to paper it is it is an action you know you it, it comes out from your mind to becoming more concrete and and it allows you to sort of come into contact with it more I think it's a it's a really I think gratitude can be such a beautiful practice and I think it opens us up to resource that isn't just based on um you know tied up in capitalism and, and being dependent on only people like there's so much resource that we have in the earth and in nature around us that is there to hold us to and I think sometimes we can really lose sight of that when we're caught up in in heaviness and pain that the earth is there to hold us and it often mm. can be the most containing <laughs> you know what I mean like sometimes I just gotta go okay. outside and have a tree you know and I can feel more <laughs> held and connected yeah. to my spirituality and God than you know sometimes turning towards for example you know a partner who is unresourced at the time to be able to really see me you know because we're not made to be able to always have the resource to fully see each other it's a really difficult thing to do um so there's so much in in nature as well that we can that we can turn to I think um but yeah, yeah. you know as well you know one thing I, I always think is important to think with gratitude is sometimes especially with us from from uh, South Asian backgrounds and I don't know I'm from a Muslim family where it's like you got to be grateful you know <laughs> have you you need to eat you need to finish your dinner because what about all of the starving children my mum used to say that to me do you know what I mean yeah, like, yeah, 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 so yeah. I think yeah, sometimes we, we can you some for some people I think practices of gratitude can um be a barrier for them to to actually yeah. get in touch with with the longing they might feel or the dissatisfaction they might feel that's okay also to be there so it's just trying to find a balance isn't it to allow our longing or our dissatisfaction which is also okay sometimes you know what I mean as well as you know being in touch with the unlimited Mm. resource that is there for us in the earth you know Mm. Um, that's a beautiful yeah and makes me think about gratitude in a different way as well Mm. Yeah. Have we, have we lost? Is, where, is Rube still with us? Oh, I didn't even see. I just clocked. No, he's back. Oh, he's back. He's back. Okay. I, I'm back. You guys <laughs> yeah, left. Back. All right, no, Santa's offline left. on my screen. All right, Santa's back now on my screen. Well, I haven't stopped record. So, what happened? What did I miss? I was I in a sunken place. I was in a sunken <laughs> place, man. <laughs> no, you weren't. Don't even say no, that. No, I'm good. I, didn't, I just said you, you guys were both offline. I don't know what happened. Oh, we'll take mate. it out in the edit, man. Oh no, we were we were talking about um, just looking at gratitude and in a different way and yeah. um, and balance and yeah and just how like the habit like gratitude can can people's relationships to like gratitude is different, you know, and mm. the way that we mm. frame stuff and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super complex, and um, everyone. It goes back to just everyone's experience is like whole and individualistic at the same time. Like we're mm-hmm. all going through so much similarly, and and individually too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I even think like gratitude practices in community is can be even more powerful, man. I just, mm-hmm. I just think for me, moving towards community in as in as much. I don't know how to explain it, but 
the more community in my life for all mm. sorts of things that I go through, the better quality of life I and said community, if they're involved, like fully leaning in would be, you know, that's, really that's beautiful. I think where I am. Yeah. yeah I'm just sick cool. of doing stuff on my ones. It's just, I'm not on it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's so, much, there's so much in that. I think, I think leaning into, and also the recognition that community takes, takes work you know yeah like properly you're right you're absolutely right it's just not a couple of people you just meet at a park in it like (laughs) it's intentional deepening of the roots of the community that yeah it's really it's really hard it's really hard and I think you know for one of the things I've I've really experienced that was quite painful is like coming into um for example queer spaces of color um quite like new and excited by it really looking for for like belonging and chosen family and then recognizing that everybody has so much trauma that actually Mm. cycles of um like exile and you know um i think like bad othering you know those kind of things they they happen really quite quickly and, and cycles of trauma play out even in space of community. And it's really hard to learn how to build loving relationships when a lot of us have histories of trauma in our families where we haven't actually been wow. taught what love is or yeah. what actually meaningful wow. yeah. community is. So we're, mm. we're trying to do it from what? With no modelling, you know, and that's not just a community. Wow. I think it's also intimate relationships. We're trying to build healthy, mm. loving relationships when we might not have never seen what that looks like, you know? Um, Sana, it's mad you say that because yesterday oh, I saw this tweet. so much, man. Yeah. yeah, and it said, Desi couples make sure they fight like dogs in front of children, <laughs> but anything even remotely intimate will be limited to the bedroom. What do you expect from an entire nation that grew up watching hate normalised and acts of love labelled as shameful? Oh. Uh, I know, I'm, I'm like cringing, not cringing, but squirming like in my <laughs> chair as I'm reading <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's very loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, I got a really visceral, embodied response to that. I've re- it really landed. I feel like, oh, this is it, you know. I think, I mean, I don't also, I, I, I just want to be careful because I know that people will have really different experiences and, and some people will have, will maybe have had loving relationships or their parents might have had loving relationships. But I know for sure <laughs> where there was a lot of like, uh, yeah, just dysregulated anger, violence, all of mm. those things that were really normalized um, for me and for a lot of people that I know. And it's then it's then so difficult, isn't it? To and then and then like you said, yeah, what is it that that love and acts of intimacy are then shame? So how do you mm. even practice and understand mm. how to love and be without feeling any kind of shame? You know. Mm. Yeah, the two things are like are. Uh they're just they're, it took me a long time to me and my mum to get into the practice of saying I love you I love you mm. just even for it to feel light you know like to get to that point for me is just so massive to say I love you when I'm leaving the house or when we're going to bed or where whenever randomly mm. in the day um yeah wow that's beautiful oh, so you can do that now yeah, yeah it um, is I'm so so grateful it, yeah it's it's similar i mean we're an hour and a bit in so i'm mm. 
I'm going around it, although yeah. there's so much more to explore. But I would say that that's that that on that last bit you're talking about, <laughs> it's quite similar with my family as well. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. funny because I could and I'm I, I mean I think I'm a lot better now, but my parents are still lagging behind, man. Mm-hmm. Like it started off with yo, much love. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Which wasn't exactly what we wanted. Like, much love, and then it was like, all right, love you guys, but to say. To stop, pause, hold, make eye contact and say, I love you. That's yeah. like, I'm I'm there now. Um, mm. But my parents, sometimes I feel that, I don't know, it's still a bit foreign to them. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, that's some real vulnerable. And, but it yeah. shouldn't be. It's right, even that is just a joke thing that I feel it is. But mm. yeah, I um, all that to say that I understand that it is hard to do that and we should be working towards it i think mm. i mean i just can i just say one thing because i know we're tying things up but i just want to say oh. it just made me think because we're going back to bell hooks and and her definitions of love and actually you know i think that can you guys hear me a it lot says of you're us offline. don't necessarily have a clear understanding of what love is in our early mm. childhood and you know, pe- you know, we'll, we might, for example, get a beating and be like, I'm doing that because I love you. You can't leave the house because I love you. You know what I mean? Where, whereas w- this kind of control and discipline is put alongside the language of love. So we understand love to actually be control, oh, power, you yeah. know. And so, so even just, you know, I, I'm, I'm more and more interested in moving away from, it's not just about this, just saying the language, I love you, but what are you... How are you acting it out? How are we showing mm. each other? And do we have a true mm. shared definition? In so many different forms. Yeah, yeah. Of what love is. We've got to redefine stuff. We've got to, we, we've got to understand what's actually happening and then mm. work out what we want to keep and redefine everything else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. You know what, Sana, it's been amazing chatting to you. And I know we've only skimmed the top of the top of the iceberg <laughs> in regard to <laughs> what we can chat about. But we honestly, and I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of Almas and even Aaron, who is not even here, that we really appreciate you taking the time to share this space yeah. with us today, man. As yeah, well as the work you that you're doing and the person that you currently are. <laughs> like, yeah, hats off. And and is there anything, I know you said you've got, you're working on your next poetry collection. We also yeah. know you've fronted some stuff for Channel 4. Like, is there anything you've got coming up that we and the listeners can keep an eye out for and is there anything we can even support you with potentially yeah oh thank you so much thank you both Ruth. thank you Amas. i just want to say like i'm also really grateful for you holding this space for me um and just yeah asking really generous questions and sharing so so openly and yeah it's just been really beautiful talking to you both so thank you and yeah just yeah in terms of work i I mean I, i think um my poetry is definitely where my heart and mind is at at the moment i'm doing like a couple of I've got my hands in a few different media things. I'm doing a Spotify original that's coming out, um, which I spoke to you about just before uh, we came on, um, which is with um, with a couple of other people. It's called Think Piece, and there's a few of us. I don't want to say any other names just in case, like, it, you know, anything <laughs> happens. But some, some pretty amazing and exciting people that are a part of this project I'm excited about. Um, doing, like, six-minute Think Pieces as, like, a daily on Spotify original um wow so so yeah and 
and one of the ones that I've just done is the psychology of cancel culture, which I'm really excited about sharing with. Really looking forward to it. when wow. you, when you um, when that comes out, please do share it with us, and we can we'll share it on our socials and things like that. I really want to listen to it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. I will do. What about you guys? Mm. Are there things that I should keep an eye out for? <laughs> what with oh, what's God, behavior? Oh my gosh, there's so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we well, we've just celebrated our one year. Um, in in the pod world so we're you're 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 part of like the few episodes around this time which is super fun mm. um we've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes and so in the next few months we'll have lots of announcements and um and fun stuff and resources to share with everyone so i'm very very excited for that mm. oh, and i'm i'm yeah, I'm particularly excited about the live element of of this and how our community can actually be in real life together. That's really energizing me. And I was going to say, if imagine, just imagine, right, if we had a live event yeah. and we had an audience and it was about bringing South Asian talent for you through or yeah. just giving them space, like if that was a thing, <laughs> would you ever want to get up and perform some of your work yeah for sure man. to I'm our family to support yeah hey. of course also yeah, spit some bars yeah oh, bars well freestyling rubes you're not going to drop some bars as well what is this just yeah, music course, that we don't no, know no, about? No, no, i'm out here rubes has got here. bars for days i'm out here i'm i'm actually you've inspired me further you know like you know there's this constant conversation going on in the back of my head saying ruben don't forget to get back to the art mm. um and i think you've inspired me just to um shift gears a little bit and i want to try to i just want to experiment with poetry a little bit more i don't know it might be part of this mm. music stuff but it's been a nice reminder for me to kind of get back on that stuff because yeah that is for me an act of self-love yeah so yeah well um, listen if you ever um, want to do I'm a little gonna... free write together hit me up you know it's amazing all right, cool. Well, listen, thank Sana, you. So thank much. you so much. Yeah, thank, yeah. thank you, thank you, and really looking forward to seeing all of the things that you're you explore and you continue to do and keep continue being a disruptor and continue embracing the madness. <laughs> there yeah. with you. May we all. May we all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Hashtag stay mad out here. <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's a that's a bar of mine just off the dome you know <laughs> Listen, get off this thing man <laughs> I, have, a, have a great rest of the day son and much love to you see ya what is this behavior you've got to stay mad out here <laughs> Sana, thank you for an enriching, affirming and insightful chat around therapy, understanding love and coming closer to self while connecting with our ancestral stories. I love the part of the episode where we learn to identify the language of our emotions and look out for those signals that help us further understand ourselves. We also acknowledge how many of us haven't grown up with models of love and loving relationships. So kudos to all of us trying to be better and do better on a personal level. Finally, Sana named nature as a resource. So if you have grass or water nearby, you like to cook, or you've got a good view of the sky, take some time out with the elements and get in touch with your senses. And before I leave you, you can hit up Sana on her website, sanaahsan.com, or her IG, 
which is Sana underscore Ahsan. And to stay up to date and locked in with us, feel free to follow us on our Instagram at What Is This Behaviour Podcast, our Twitter at WITB underscore podcast, or our website, whatisthisbehaviourpodcast.com. If you enjoy the chat and you want to support us, give us a rating on the Apple Podcast app. It really helps us. And until next week, stay hydrated, focused and keep close to love. I'm Al Masbadat and you've just experienced the What Is This Behaviour podcast. What is this behaviour? Do you want it? You're dying for it! <laughs> <laughs>